Hey friends, this is Mario J. Radford. I'm the pastor of Growth Point Church, and this is our podcast. I pray that it connects, leads, and maybe introduces you to a growing and life-changing relationship with Jesus. Now let's go into the message. Praise the Lord, Growth Point Church family and friends from all over the world. We give the Lord thanks for this opportunity, this time, this moment. It's a sacred moment to enter into the presence of the Lord and to hear what thus saith the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We're going to flow off of that anointing right there. We're going to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. And we're going to look at just two verses of scripture there. We're going to look at verse 1 and as well we're going to look at verse 13. Thank you Lord Jesus. 1 Samuel chapter 16 verse 1. And the word of the Lord reads as thus. Now the Lord said to Samuel. How long will you mourn for Saul? Seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel, fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Verse 13, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. I'm going to stop right there. And today we're just going to holler at the thought, feel and pour again. Wherever you may be listening, just repeat that after me. Feel and pour again. Father, we thank you for this time in your word. We thank you for your presence that is already here. We thank you for the anointing that is established in this house. We thank you for each and every hearer of the word. Father, we pray that this word fall on good ground, which means we are depending upon you to break up any fallow ground, to open up deaf ears that we may hear what thus saith the Lord. Have your way, Father. We are in expectation of not just encouragement, but healing. And not just healing, but salvation. And not just salvation, but wholeness. God, we need you today like never before. So speak loud, Holy Ghost. Your people are listening. Speak loud, Holy Ghost. Your servants are listening. Speak loud in this place. And we will be careful to give you your name praise and glory and honor and it is in the matchless name of Jesus Christ we pray in Jesus name hallelujah amen 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 hallelujah the Lord simply says fill your horn with oil and go Samuel the prophet has been given a divine mission and that is to go and anoint with oil 
Whenever you look throughout the Old Testament, the anointing signifies the anointing of not just people, but also objects. It indicates their separation to God and to his authority. We're given a great example of this in Genesis chapter 28, and we call it Jacob's ladder. When Jacob had a dream in which the Bible says he saw a stairway and it was resting on earth with its top reaching heaven and the Bible says the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. When he woke up from this vision, he anoints the place. He takes the stone which he was using as his pillow. He sits it up and sets it as a pillar. And the Bible says that he pours oil over it. And once he anoints the place, sanctifying it unto God, he then names the place Bethel, which means house of God. Y'all, this is what we do when we anoint our homes with oil we get to the doors and we get to porn and we get to the windows and we get to porn and we get to all the parts of the house of entrance and we begin to place the anointing oil over there because what we're telling God is that as for me and my house we will serve the Lord likewise when you look in the Old Testament in the tabernacle the articles there were full of the anointing oil as a matter of fact in Leviticus chapter 24 God commanded the children of Israel he says I want you to bring pure and pressed olives so that the golden menorah with its seven lamps would burn continually and never go out now these lamps filled with anointing oil were the only source of light for the tabernacle had it not been for the oil in the tabernacle the tabernacle would have certainly gone dark. Understand what I'm saying to you. Any church without the anointing is a dark place. And the only way that people don't know if they're in a dark place is if they are blind. And the Bible says if the blind lead the blind, then we all fallen in some ditches. And this is where the people of Growth Point need to give God praise. You ought to praise God for oily leadership. For leadership that cherishes the anointing for leadership that makes sure that the oil never runs out and this is why I give God praise for Pastor Mario and where I give God praise for the leaders that have been assigned to this house because the anointing is cherished here God says pure oil pure oil pure oil this is the same oil that was used to anoint kings to office uh -huh. this is critical because the title Messiah references the king of kings. Messiah is the Hebrew word for covered with oil or anointed with oil. Now if you go over into the Greek and the New Testament the anointed one is translated as the Christ. We serve Jesus the Christ. The anointed one. The continual light of the tabernacle that will never go out. The light of the church and certainly the light of the world. Now, after just a little bit of research, after we've done just a little bit of digging as to the meaning and the purpose of the oil, it's no wonder that when God means business, he looks at his prophet and he tells him, I want you to go get the oil. 
I don't care how gifted you are, how resourceful you are, how connected you are, how educated you are, how intelligent you are. It means nothing without the anointing. It's the anointing that makes the difference. So God looks at the prophet and says, get up from all that whining. Get up from all that crying. Get up from crying over Saul and what did not work and go get the oil. Y'all, when I was a child my mother used to look at me and my sister and my brothers when we get to fussing and fighting and she'd say I want y'all to go get the oil and the moment she said go get the oil I knew it was gonna be on and popping all of a sudden we got quiet we had a whole lot to say before then because when mama meant business mama said go get the oil she taught me something she raised me right because today when I mean business when I'm ready to smack hell in the face I Holla, go get the oil. And today God is still looking at his church. He's looking at his people. And he says, go get the oil. In other words, it's time to stop crying about who left. Stop crying about who walked out. Who betrayed you. Who cheated on you. Who lied on you. Who rejected you. The Lord is saying, go get the oil. Because it's somebody else in life and you ought to thank God for the one that left because they were reserving room for the one that God has in place now go get the oil <laughs> it's time to pour again he says fill your horn with oil and go there are too many men and women of God who are mourning rather than mentoring there are too many prophets who are no longer seeing because they're too sorrowful. They're too consumed with what did not work out and who did not work out to carry the oil to the next in line. So you crying over Saul when there's a man after God's own heart just waiting and ready. God said, fill your horn with oil and go all alone by yourself in the fields. God has already been dealing with the heart of David. He's dealt with him privately, but hear me, God will never just deal with you privately. After he begins working your, with your heart privately, he will begin to confirm you publicly. And so God says, I want you to go and anoint one of Jesse's sons to be my king after God says I want to talk to you come over here let me whisper in your ear gotta then start shouting loud and from other folk this belongs to me this is mine I chose this the prophet steps over his hurt feelings I like this he steps over his personal problems and this is what the Lord is asking us to do step over your issues step over your personal problems and simply be obedient to me and do what I told you to do he simply has to obey God and once he gets a hold to David he takes the horn of oil and he begins pouring and pouring and pouring and it's full so it ain't run out yet so he's gonna keep on pouring and keep pouring until the horn of oil is completely empty now he's already done this very same process on Saul and the results were disastrous but now by faith he must pour again rather you are a parent 
or a pastor or whatever capacity in which you lead others it is so easy to become disheartened and jaded by what didn't work by who you trained that failed by that mentee that turned out to be a monster that child you raised that went astray it's so easy to become jaded by those who you brought to Christ and then they left the faith that you just want to close up shop crawl into an emotional hole and never pour again and yet God looks at you in all them feelings and all them emotions and he says I want you to fill your horn and pour again do it again do it after the first time after the second time do what I told you to do and do it again and I know the oil cost you something but God, did you know how much that cost me the last time I spent all night and the last time I gave all I had and the last time I trusted everything with, did you, did you know how much it cost me? God says, I know how much it cost you and I still want you to pour it again. I know it didn't come cheap. I know you paid a high price for it and they didn't even appreciate it. Uh, they exploited it. Uh, they treated it like it was cheap. But I'm still telling you to pour again. And don't just pour it. When you feel it, I want you to pour out the pure. <laughs> pour out the pure oil. The Lord says this time around, you've been tempted to give the great value version of the full anointing that I put on your life. Because you're going to water that thing down thinking that everybody you meet is in some way a spiritual soul. Am I the only one in the house that you done got so messed up around here that the people you look at, you look at sideways thinking that's got to be a spiritual soul in there. And yet the Lord looks at you and says, I want the pure or ain't no great value version that's going to be received in the house. I want you to put pure oil in it and then pour everything you got. Fill your horn with pure oil and pour all of it again. So Samuel pours and pours. He pours for the second time to commemorate a new king while the present man he anointed to be king is still alive. It is in obedience that he dries his tears, he squares his shoulders, and he steps in to do what God tells him to do, going to Bethlehem to pour the precious olive oil until the horn is empty. Now Samuel displays obedience while God displays his mercy. Samuel is obedient and God is showing his mercy because the Bible says he anointed David in front of his brothers. God was not teasing his brother saying, see, sicky, 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 I anointed David instead of you. That's not what that was. The Lord was displaying his mercy because it's in God, in mercy that God looks over David's brothers to anoint him what I'm telling you is that the anointing may look prestigious but baby the anointing requires a process and if you are not willing to endure the same process as the olive itself what is a blessing to somebody else could very well be a curse to your life the anointing is attractive and that's why a whole lot of people are praying, God anoint me, God anoint me greater. I need a greater anointing. But what is attractive to people is also attractive to the enemy. And so oftentimes that very anointing on your life will attract almost deadly attacks. 
This is why oil had to endure a process be before it could ever be poured. And this is why David is going to have to endure the same process as the olive itself before he'll be poured out. What is the Lord saying? I've got to ready you for the attacks that the anointing is going to bring on your life. If I don't ready you, you won't make it. If I, won't, if I don't ready you for it, you won't be able to take it. So we have to understand the process of the olive oil in order to understand what it is that we're asking God for when we ask God for a greater anointing. Let's go there, shall we? Olive oil only comes from an olive tree. Olive trees were unique in that they thrived in rocky and unproductive soil. These trees grew in places that other trees could have never survived in. Some of us, no one else would have been able to survive the hostile environment that we had to deal with. The abuse, the rejection, the abandonment, the turmoil, the pain. But the anointing gives us much more than just a buck and a shout. The anointing will give you endurance. And sometimes we call the anointing a buck and we call the anointing a shout. But after we finish bucking and shouting, the wind blows and we fall down. Baby, that was never the anointing. The anointing will give you the ability to endure rough places and unproductive places. The Lord says, I'm showing you what the anointing does. So when the trial comes, you'll know I've already been processed. I've already been tried to endure the place that I'm in. Now, you would think that the environment was hard enough, but the process to get to the olives was just as tedious. Now, some of the olives would fall from the tree easily and you could just go pick them up and that wasn't a problem. But you need more than just a few of the olives in order to fill the horn. And so in biblical times, in order to gather olives, they didn't fall from the tree on their own. They had to be beaten from the tree with a long pole. Or the tree had to be shaken. This is for those of us who have experienced the shaking of God. And God is simply saying, I ain't mad at you. I'm just trying to get everything out of you. All of that oil out of you. Everything that refused to fall down and submit on its own. I'm having to shake that thing from you. Hear me. It's not because of what you don't have that you feel the shaking of God. It's because of what you do have. And some of you all were feeling spiritually bankrupt because you thought God was mad at you. Because you felt the beating and you felt the shaking. But God said there's more, more, more inside of you. That's why I'm shaking you that's why I'm causing everything I put in you to come out of you because I want to use you it's not just the environment it's getting off of us what God wants to use in us and that's why he's shaking us now 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 once the olives all oh, the olives are taken off of the tree by any means necessary now they're washed because God says I want all the contaminants off of it uh-huh I don't want anything that is going to hinder the quality nor the value nor the taste of the oil so we got to make sure we wash everything off of it. God, please help me to never allow the oil you trusted me with to become dirty and contaminated. This is why we agree with the prayer of David. Purge me with hyssop. Wash me wider than so. Ain't no way I went through all this hell to have some dirty oil. Wash me, cleanse me, make me over. After all that beating and shaking and washing. Now what? The Lord says, now we wait but pastor I'm not supposed to be an apostle yet the Lord says no 
Now we wait. But wait a minute, I'm not supposed to be bishop yet? That don't mean I at least started church? The Lord looks at us and he says, now we wait. The olives are then taken into a large pile in heaps until fermentation begins. And the olives that produce the greatest amount of oil are the olives that have allowed the most time to ripen. This is why David was anointed as a teenager. But he did not begin to reign over all of Israel until 15 years later because God was showing him, you got to ripen first. There's got to be a fermenting process because I want to get the greatest oil out of you, the finest oil out of you. You'll never be the finest ruler if you ain't got the finest oil. So you take some time right there. You sit right there. Don't rush the process. Don't rush to get to the pulpit. Don't rush to get to the top. Don't rush to get to the head office. You stay right there and let God ripen you. Let God allow the fermenting process in your life he was anointed with oil then he goes right back to his everyday life he's anointed but now he's still tending to some stinky sheep nothing's changed except Oh God, I just blessed my own life. Nothing's changed except for the anointing on his life. Sometimes if you can't be grateful for nothing else, because ain't nothing else popping, ain't nothing else moving, sometimes you just need to stop and give God thanks. I'm anointed and the anointing is enough. Right now I can't see anything different. I don't see anything happening, but I thank you because you're showing me that the anointing is enough because the anointing is a promise that something is on the way. Hear me. God never anoints you for nothing. So if he's anointed you, you can rest in the fact that you got a future. If he's anointed you, you can rest in the fact that you got a position. If he's anointed you, you can rest in the fact that there is something better. There's something on the horizon. But you got to just sit and even if it's with some stinky sheep. Sometimes you just got to sit and wait. <sighs> God knows you're anointed, but be patient. Don't hurry the process. The oil is worth the wait. Come on and say that. The oil is worth the wait. Once the fermenting is complete, the olives are crushed. Mm. No crushing, no oil. They may covet your anointing, but they don't want to be crushed. The olives are put under tremendous pressure. And under tremendous pressure, the oil begins to seep. The olives and oil are then subjected to even more pressing and more crushing. Does it ever feel like God is readying you for a kingdom assignment? And just as he's readying you for a kingdom assignment... All hell breaks loose. Does it seem like he's calling you to a place and as he's calling you to a place and you know he's called you there. It seems like you feel a crushing that is beyond just the natural. It seems like it's something supernatural. That's called the crushing. It's no wonder that after David killed his thousands of Philistines that Saul became so envious of, his, of David that he begins to try and take his life. So now David's ministering and while he's ministering, he's ducking swords because he's enduring a crushing process. He's anointed and running for his life because he's enduring a crushing process. Have you ever felt like you're anointed, but you don't fit in anywhere? 
So here's David living in the strongholds because he doesn't even, does not even yet fit into the place that he's been anointed to reign. And he won't fit in until he completes the crushing so that once he gets there, he won't mess up his rule and he won't mess up his reign and he won't mess up his position. He'll need the finest oil to rule in the kingdom. And remember, the finest oil requires greater pressure. That's why when all was said and done, David looked back at his life and he didn't cry. He looked back at his life and he said, it was good for me that I've been afflicted. Have you ever looked back at your life and said it was good for me that I went through the hell I went through? It was good for me that I suffered some of the stuff I suffered. It was good for me because they got the oil out of me. It crushed me. It pressed me. It helped me to be everything that God called for me to be. <laughs> Did you catch that? Crushing makes us better. You can be lied on and better for it. You can be talked about and better for it. The anointing crushes but after it crushes it produces better rather than bitter and this is why when David had the opportunity to take Saul's life he does not do so because he ain't bitter about the situation he's better for it David thank you for the crushing and allowing God to get the finest oil out of you why because now Isaiah can prophesy about the root of Jesse the Christ who is the Messiah understand Jesus is the product of the anointing what David went through and everything he suffered, it was through his lineage that came the light of the world. Now, I want you to see how God sets up this picture of the anointing. The Mount of Olives was studded with olive trees. Second Samuel chapter 15, the Bible says David wept and prayed. He, he wept and he prayed because he was betrayed by his own son. Now, if you go over to the New Testament in Luke chapter 22, Jesus wept and prayed at the Mount of Olives, having been rejected and betrayed by his own disciple. Jesus then comes down from the Mount of Olives and right there at the foot of the Mount of Olives was the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane means oil press or crushing place. You see what God is showing us here? It symbolizes the crushing he would face as the anointed one, as the Messiah. Now, did you know that when olives are crushed, a reddish liquid emerges from them? Jesus knew the unimaginable pain and humiliation that he would experience and being in agony the Bible says Jesus prayed more earnestly then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground just like the olives that we read about saying that the red liquid from the fruit of the olive is pressed out by the crushing <laughs> the pressing weight of all human sin was excruciating the weight of your sin and my sin was pressed out through the blood of Jesus. That's the adversity of the anointing. And sometimes saints get depressed because you're so stuck in the adversity. 
But God always has an advantage even in the adversity for the believer. You ought to say that about three times to your own self. God always has an advantage even in the adversity of the believer. I'm going to say it again. God always has an advantage even in the adversity of the believer. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. Now had Jesus not been crushed, you and I would not be saved. Without the crushing, the oil would have absolutely no value. But being crushed, he poured out his soul unto death. Just like Samuel emptied the horn on David, the Bible says Jesus emptied himself. And we don't like being pressed. And we don't like being crushed. And I can't tell you how many times I prayed, Lord, let this cup pass from me but the Lord would not allow the cup to be passed from me because the Lord knew the oil that was going to come from it it's pressing you but there's oil from it it's hurting you but there's oil from it it's painful but there's oil from it it costs you a whole lot baby I know it but there's oil from it you had to stay up all night long but don't worry about it you got oil coming from it you lost a few people but it's oil coming from it they called you out your name but there's oil from it rejection and betrayal but there's oil from it God says there's oil from it there's oil from it there's a crushing but the crushing is not for nothing there's oil from it and the more pressure the more the oil and the more the oil the more God provides the pressure and the more pressure the more the oil and God looks at your oil and gets excited and so when he sees more oil he starts providing more pressure until he gets all out of you that he desires to get from you it's a process but the oil is worth it. It's going to cost you something. But the oil is worth it. And this is why David said. You anoint my head with oil. My cup. Runneth over. I ain't even mad at you for it. You anoint my head. With oil. And my cup. Runneth over. It costs me somebody yet you anoint you love me enough to anoint my head with oil and I ain't mad at you for it my cup runneth over oh you anoint my head with oil my cup runneth over in other words the Lord is telling you you got this excess oil and I want you to do something with it I want you to fill up that cistern, fill up that horn, and I want you to go pour again. Uh-huh. I know that the last time it didn't work out, uh, uh, but I want you to go and pour again. Somebody is waiting 
on you to pull. There's somebody sitting in the field waiting on you over there crying and, and mad and angry and all in your feelings. But there's somebody in a crack house waiting on you to pour. Uh-huh. You can't get over what happened, but there's somebody right now with a knife to their wrist that's waiting on you to pour. I know it was hurting and I know you didn't deserve it, but baby, let me tell you, with somebody right now in a hospital bed that's waiting on you to pour, they're waiting on you to pour one more time for you to give again and not just a little bit, baby. God says, give it all just like you did the first time. I want you to pour it until you ain't got nothing left. Give it all. Pour again. Somebody is waiting desperately for you. I'm not invalidating your feelings. I'm not making light of your emotions. But emotions and feelings are fleeting. <laughs> it's your faith that stands as truth. So, get some tissue. Blow real good. Wipe your eyes. Square your shoulders. Get your horn. And go and bless somebody again. For some of you all, it's simply to love again. To allow someone to have access to your heart again. Your whole heart. The Lord is saying, pour. Pour. That's action. Pour. Intentionally. Deliberately. Pour again. Everything that's happening in this past eight months, it's a series of events. And the Lord is looking at his church and saying, now what will you do with all that oil? Will you sit bitter with it? Will you allow it to become contaminated? Will you hold it all to yourself, not trusting anybody else? Side-eyeing neighbors and the neighbor's dog. What will you do? What will you do with all this oil? When there are greater opportunities to pour now than ever. When there are more opportunities to be a light in darkness right now than ever fill your horn with oil pure oil and by faith pour again until you've emptied out Don't let hell be for nothing. Them testing them trials be for nothing. Pour out. Lord, we thank you for this time.
in your word. We thank you that you have spoken in this place. We thank you that there were hearts that needed to hear this from you. At this critical time. And Lord, I thank you that you've inspired that heart. You sparked a fire there that they tried to pour water on. You revived that soul that tried to just crawl under into an emotional hole. And you've commissioned them to go and pour again. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for that heart that has been sorrowful. That has been grieving over who left. Spending night after night with perseverating thoughts as to why they left. Creating intrusive thoughts. Father, I pray that you'll bring peace. And with that peace, that you'll show them their purpose. Don't let their purpose die in sorrow. Commission. Revive, restore, renew. I thank you, Father, for Pastor Mario. The vision that you've given him for this church, for this community. I thank you for that it's bigger than this city. I thank you for all the lives that he's poured into relentlessly and unselfishly. I thank you that his labor is not in vain. There has no doubt been a great crushing, a great pressing, a great shaking. And I honor you for the process that you allowed him to go through so that so many will be blessed. Father, I pray that you'll pour back into him as he's poured into so many others. As only you can move and bless, encourage his whole family, sons and daughters, wife. I pray a special blessing for this church as well. Open doors, grant favor. Favor, favor, favor. And the hearts that are listening right now, I pray that you will keep them, cover them, protect them. Revive them to pour again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to take this time to thank you for your prayers, support, and generous giving that make this ministry possible. For more ways to connect, visit online at growthpointchurch.org. If you've enjoyed today's message, you can like, subscribe, share with your friends, or take a screenshot and share on your social stories and tag us at MyGrowthPoint. Until next time, keep growing.